Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Once again, as always, we have Sterling, Justin, Heather, and Devin all coming to you with an episode about the number one show for an opening week on Netflix. That is Bird Box coming in with 45 million Netflix accounts watching it in its first week. So we're going to talk to you about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. We're starting this off with Heather. What did you like about this movie? Hey, everyone. Um, yeah. So the first thing I'll say that I did like about it is I think that from the very you know outset of the movie, they did a good job at setting the tone of the of what the movie was going to be, you know, like a thriller, a suspense, you know, there was the sense of urgency in it right away. And I really did enjoy how they did that because, you know, the first five, 10 minutes of a movie, that's going to kind of tell you, you know, is this something I'm going to invest in? Is this something I want to keep watching? So I think they did a great job at setting that tone of um, sort of what the, you know, what the movie tone will be throughout. So um, I did appreciate that. And I did enjoy just the diverse casting of people that they did. They have, you know, seasoned actors, they have brand new actors, they had everything in between and they, they all played their parts really well. Um, I think for a group of people that, you know, they kind of were forced together to, you know, live in this environment that they have to live in. They, it's, I feel like it's pretty accurate to how you would kind of be in that situation where you're a little bit standoffish. You don't know what to expect from people. You don't know who you should trust, things like that. I think that they played that part really well. They played the part of, you know, you're terrible in this situation because of what's going on. But then when I talk to you outside of that, you know, we have more in common than we think. I think it's kind of accurate to how it would be if you were kind of forced into that situation that you never expected to be in with strangers that you've never met. So um, I did appreciate how they did that dynamic with all the people. Um, I, I liked how they, um, uh, I guess I would say the, just when they, when they first started talking about, or I guess showing the apocalyptic thing that was happening and all these people just running around like mad crazy. I really liked how they, it, it really, it was scary. It was very, um, you know, it was, it was really creepy just seeing all these people. Everyone's freaking out. People are just out of nowhere, just dying or doing crazy things that you wouldn't expect. And they did that also really well. So those are the things I enjoyed. I liked the um, relationship dynamic between um, Sandra Bullock and um, Danielle McDonald, who plays Olympia in the movie, who's pregnant as well as Sandra Bullock's character. I think that they had a really good bond. Um, you know, I even like Sandra Bullock and Trevante Rhodes, their dynamic as sort of the romantic couple in the story. Um, I like the character, how they played off of each other. I did like that part of it. And um, yeah, that I would say those are probably the main takeaways for me of what I did enjoy about this film. And Justin, what'd you like? Yes, yes. So definitely with this film, Bird Box, I can very much see why this has been the most popular thing on Netflix. I can understand why it's doing record numbers for them because if if anything, um, not to repeat too much of what Heather said, but this is um 
this is a, there's a lot of really good acting in this film and Sandra Bullock uh, of course and, and here's a crazy story about Sandra as far as from my perspective Sandra Bullock um initially in her career was not an actress that I particularly liked that I was a fan of because I always just kind of felt like Sandra Bullock was you know, she was uh, doing a lot of rom-coms. There was always kind of like this typical movie that Sandra Bullock Type would cast. do. Yeah, she was typecasted. And I always just felt like, oh, it's another Sandra Bullock movie. I know what to expect here. And pretty much I'm not expecting much of anything. But then later on in her career, she really took a turn. She started... Um, taking on more complex roles. She won an Academy Award. She got, you, you know, it was like all of a sudden she just took this turn. And I never really dug deep to find out what that was about or why she suddenly just got this urge to start doing higher quality films and things like that. But it just seemed like now Sandra Bullock is kind of one of those actresses that you have to respect. I mean, she's had a blockbuster performance after blockbuster performance. So Sandra Bullock being at the front of this movie is really what ultimately makes this movie, I think, more positive than it's negative. Her performance, the way she carries it, her interactions with the other actors, how she is able to act in a stressful situation, how she's able to make you care with her faces, with what she does with the dialogue is exceptional in this movie. If there's any movie that you could give someone and tell them, this is why Sandra Bullock is a star. I think this is one of those movies that you could show someone. And if you just watch strictly her acting, it's excellent. It's amazing. So I, my hat really just goes off to her. That was one of the things that I liked most about it was just seeing Sandra Bullock do her thing. Um, another thing about this film that I really liked is that this is uh, this is a celebration of a lot of good ideas. Now, we'll get into what we didn't like. I don't think all of those ideas and all of the potential was realized in this film. But man, there are a lot of good ideas presented here. I liked this idea of this supernatural force that that if you look at it, whatever it is, whatever shape it takes, whatever form it is, you see the 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 worst thing in your life and you suddenly see something horrible and you kill yourself i mean that that's that's a pretty scary thing and all that it takes is just for you to look at it to trigger this that this whole thing to happen inside of your head so there are a lot of horrific scenes that come from that there's a lot of great tension that was built in this movie just because this is uh, uh, th th that was a great idea for just an unstoppable force that's coming after you. And I, I just really, really like that idea. I like the way that it was presented. In some ways, it reminded me a lot of the happening with how they're like, it's almost like this force of nature or there's this unseeable force that's trying to harm you. But the happening was terrible. And it was just I mean, I just couldn't buy into that premise in The Happening, but hats off to this movie for taking a similar idea, but making it so much more intimidating making and making those moments of tension really count. So I would say those would be the biggest things that I liked about this film. Are you good now, Devin, or do I need to go? 
I am good in the hood, my man. I'm always good in the hood. So um, a few things about this, because I don't want to iterate a hundred times or a thousand times you guys are saying, uh, you know, the cool thing about Justin and Heather is if they go first, especially with the positivity, they are like they are like sponges and also distributors of positivity. So they'll pretty much hit everything on the head. But here's one thing that I think is very positive about this film that I liked. I really did love the reception of it. Uh, 45 million views within the first seven days is absolutely amazing. Now, we all know that that real figure is for all you people who don't want to pay your $9 or $10 or whatever it is. It was more like 96 million, but we'll go with 45 million views for, <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> for posterity's sake. But what I do love. That's a true is, story, though. Yeah. What I, what I really do love, and once again, Cinema Slayers does not condone at all um, abusing uh, streaming services. If you do have a streaming service, please make sure you are actually paying prices for it. You are getting all the movies for a very low cost. Thank you, Netflix and other streaming services. We appreciate what you do for us. But back to what I was saying. Um, one thing I love is like new forms of media taking control and being relevant in this this scape of entertainment. I do believe if anybody remembers way back when when Netflix was just somewhere you got some cheap DVDs from to see them producing Hollywood caliber movies. I mean, A Quiet Place could have went to theaters and it would have made money. People would have paid to see this film. And I really did love that. And I just think that this is changing entertainment for the better. I think this is going to change the way um, movies are looked at, streaming services are looked at, and it's all best for the consumer because it's bringing it to us at a lower cost, something that's more accessible and something that we can all talk about. There's not as many constraints. It doesn't, they didn't have to drop a trailer during the Super Bowl for this. They didn't have to buy ad space on YouTube for Bird Box. It's just completely Netflix on their own merits for the quality quality they have produced over these past few years got people excited about their film. And no, it doesn't happen with everything, but just think about the cultural phenomenons Netflix has done. I mean, whether you're talking about um, an innocent man or you're talking about how to make a murderer or you're talking about the Marvel movies or, you know, any of the many, many original productions they have dropped over these years. It's just been amazing. So I know that's not about the movie in itself. But like I said, I'm in agreement with Heather and I'm in agreement with Jaston. They had some powerful performances. Um, it was great to see Sal Sandra Bullock. I think Sandra Bullock may be the Matthew McConaughey um, of female actors. Really started off with the typecast, had some good movies in the beginning of the career. Then just started, you know, just picking some rather questionable roles or for about a decade there. You were like, ah, who cares about that person? And then the blind side happens. And that was the perfect title for that film, by the way, because I was blindsided by her performance. And then from from there, she's just been on an upward uh, trajectory. So I love that. And I do think the the uh, premise was interesting. And um, a lot of people are drawing parallels to Bird Box and The Happening. But really, Bird Box um, is really a different version of A Quiet Place. And I'll get to that when we get into dislikes. But like I said, you know, 
kudos to this movie for what it's done. I feel that it's groundbreaking. Do not be surprised if you don't see other streaming services um, trying to emulate the success of this film because they most certainly have been paying attention. Now, I want everybody to bear with me for just one second because this is going to sound bad at first, but then you'll understand where I'm going with it afterwards. So, you know how like most of the time people say stuff like I could count, you know, on both my hands, how many things I liked about this movie. Well, what I'll say is if you cut off both of my hands, you could count <laughs> the number of stubs I have and that be the amount of things I liked in this movie. Um, and with that, it's funny because Dev Devin kind of hit the, the nail on the head about, you know, when you end up going later on, uh, you're, you end up rehashing because uh, I think Heather and Justin already really commented on a lot of my stuff too uh, with the fact that I liked the tone of the movie. I like the way it set the tone. I like the way it followed through with the tone. I like the way it maintained the tone throughout the movie. I thought it was very good at that. It's something a lot of movies like this failed to do. And the acting. I mean, I thought the acting in general was very good. Uh, you know, with your with your BD Wongs and your uh, your Malkoviches and your, you know, your Bullocks and the guy that heather said whose name i completely forgot as soon as i started talking trevante Rhodes. yes yeah um which he was he was one of the few things i liked about the movie predators uh or not predators the predator the, the fucking new shitty predator that just came out he was one of the few people i liked in that um and that's really about it that's all i liked in this movie and if <laughs> no one else has anything to say um we can go ahead and, and move on to the dislikes if you want. Sounds good. All right. Yes. Silence. I'll start off the dislikes. Yes. So, Justin, you said that you liked a lot of the premises in this movie. You liked a lot of the elements this movie brought. I'm going to argue, though, that that's not a positive because every single element this movie brought has been done fucking better by another movie. All it did was sample elements and themes from other movies. Not as well. Um, the whole sensory deprivation type of thing. Uh, Quiet Place did it better. Um, the whole group dynamic thing like that. Just name a fucking zombie movie. They did it better. I mean, this movie was The Walking Dead, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Any of the fucking deads with a group in a house or a group going on a supply run or a group doing this or that. And it didn't do it as well as those movies. Um it has the same fucking like it's this movie is just like caricatures of those same survival movies, too. It's like you got to hit your tropes. You got to hit, you know, the pregnant lady because there's always a fucking pregnant lady in the apocalypse groups. Like if you don't have a pregnant lady, your group is just nothing then. Um, you've always got to have the character that's uh, just completely nihilistic and obviously going to destroy something by just being a drunk asshole or this or that. Like they always end up doing something that ends up biting the group in the ass because of that. Uh, you always have the guy that knows what's going on or knows something that ultimately ends up dying prematurely. Uh, you have the guy that doesn't want to go along on a trip because you know that motherfucker is going to be the one that dies. It's just nonstop, just trope after trope after cliche after fucking cliche. It's just, I'm even going to argue that The Happening had some cooler suicides too. As shitty as The Happening was, I think The Happening had some cooler suicides in it too. And while, while we're at the whole suicide thing, we can talk about these creatures because fuck these creatures. Like we don't see them, which is fine if you, I guess, you know what they want to do the whole aspect of, well, the characters in the movie didn't see them. So you're not seeing them. Fine. Fuck it. Who cares? But also this, they had the most weirdly ill-defined rules to their monsters ever. 
like they were acting like in some ways they were ethereal, like they didn't have a necessarily physical shape to them. Like when they're walking or when they're about to be next to a person, it's just some leaves blowing in the wind or, you know, it's this or that. But then at the same time, they cast a shadow, uh, you know, they move branches. Um, so there has to be some physical component to themselves, but then they use, which this is another thing I hate about this movie is the fact that they weirdly start wanting to use mental, you know, mentally, uh, ill people as villains again. Like that's just, you know, ripped straight out of fucking 1932 that, you know, like, Oh, if you're mentally ill, when you look at these things, you just become a fucking, you know, zombie for them and just do their will and make other people look at them which that's fucking great. Let's set everything back another hundred years as far as, you know, mental health, you know, acceptance goes. And so they use these people to make people look at them. Why the fuck don't they just like knock through a window then if they've got a physical form? But then, like I said, whenever they show like the little girl standing in the woods and the creatures are all surrounding her and they're all talking and voices and all that other stuff, which that's another trope. Fear monsters being able to psychically connect with people. Like how would they know what voices to use or this or that? When they're, they're just talking to the person. So once again, a fear monster has a psycho- psychological connection. That's another tired trope. And so they're like surrounding this girl and yelling at her in Sandra Bullock's voice to take off her blindfold. And then you just see some leaves swirling around and stuff like that, which is a trademark of these monsters when they appear. So if they have a physical form, why are leaves always blowing around? Like, are these monsters made of fucking leaves? Like, it makes no fucking sense. And... So the leaves are swirling around. Like, why wouldn't they just reach up and grab the blindfold off the little girl? It's a little girl. The little girl's not going to put up a fight. But like, no, they have to like talk it off of her. So it's like this weird thing. Like if they've got enough physical form to fly over a car or to set off car sensors, but then they can't go through a glass window or they can't pull a blindfold off a little girl. They couldn't physically like stand in the way of Sandra Bullock running to this bird sanctuary at the end. None of that made sense. And I feel like if I don't stop here, and let other people talk about what they didn't like. I'm going to go on for like another 30 fucking minutes. Like I'm going to have a <laughs> venom level rant about this fucking movie and these creatures <laughs> inconsistency with its own fucking rules. And it's just it. It really, really upset me because if he says venom. level, believe, You know, it's bad. Ooh, 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 me next. Me next. My, my hate for this isn't Venom level. I don't hate this as much as I hated Venom, but I can go on a Venom level rant of just 30 <laughs> minutes of me just talking about everything I didn't fucking like about this. It did have like it. Like I said, at least I said some likes in this movie. So fuck everything else. Um, but yes, yes. Devin, uh, go, go, go right ahead. Uh, say what you didn't like. So I might piggyback off that some more when you're done. Okay. So first things first, um, a lot of people say this movie had a very strong beginning. I've even read uh, reviews that say the first 20 to 30 minutes are captivating and the rest of it is trash. But let me tell you something that is all false. And you want to know why it's false? Because in the first 10 minutes, you know who they decide to fucking kill? Sarah Paulson. Why would you do that? (laughs) Yeah. Why would you do that? That movie lost 5% as soon as she died. Soon as Sarah Paulson died, I was like, Absolutely not. I do not support this decision. This was stupid. You wasted an entire Sarah Paulson. An entire Sarah Paulson. She didn't even fucking come back in a flashback <laughs> or like as a fucking spirit or some shit. There wasn't even a scene where like they were calling her in the forest and she was like standing right there looking creepy and talking to Sandra Bullock, telling her actually she wasn't even one of the voices 
But she's the only character. Mm-hmm. She's the only character that we introduced that could have possibly been connected to Sandra besides, you know, uh, the dude from uh, Moonlight. I can't remember his name right now. Heather, what's his name? Javante Yeah, Rose. I know you know his name. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him New Idris Elba because <laughs> he's making the lady swoon. But anyway, that's something that just really got to me. So here's the thing. Um, I really want to talk about the plot devices in this film. There were just too many. Okay, so I was really fine with them being some type of fear entity. They show you something so terrible, so Lovecraftian that you just want to kill yourself. But then, of course, we need exposition from the person who apparently is just going to play people who have menial, regular jobs. First, he was an airport attendant. Now he was a grocery store worker. Uh, and he has information about these, these beings or whatever they're called. And, you know, it's just when he's explaining it, you can tell when they were writing the script, they were just like, well, what can they do? Well, they might show you the thing you most desire or a dead relative, or, uh, they might show you your worst fear. They might show you, you know, the, the ending to breaking back, uh, to better call Saul, before it actually comes and give you no context, you know, whatever the fuck you fear, they might show it to you. And this just annoyed me because like Sterling was saying, these, these omnipotent beings who can read your mind, it just gives them too much ground to use. And, you know, it was just inconsistent. Another thing that I really didn't like was, and this is why I was talking about how it's like a quiet place. Mm -hmm. It's like a quiet place, but done much more, haphazardly. And I'll give you an example. So in the third act of this film, Sandra Bullock is being accosted by leaves. Uh, She finds her children. And that moment was very tense. That movie was super tense. She's yelling. She's saying, girl, girl, you know, don't lift up your bandana because it's not me. But then when you think about it, you remember something. The little boy told her that she wasn't going to respond to her to Melanie because he was afraid of her. So, I mean, the to, because girl was afraid of her. So if she was yelling for her to not listen to her, she wouldn't have taken off the bandana anyway because she was terrified of her. So she wasn't going to take it off anyway because she's scared of her. She's terrified. She's not afraid of the monsters. She's afraid of Melanie. She's never seen the monsters before and they don't have a real physical form. So to me, I was like, well, what's the point of this entire scene? And then... She gets together, so I understand it being frantic. And then all of a sudden, sudden, all these beasts are around her, and you never know what brings them. First, they come and kickstart the apocalypse. They appear to be everywhere. And then sometimes in the movie, they appear to lose track of people. And then sometimes in the movie, the crazy people, the crazy people. Oh, I hated that so much. Do you know how many mental disorders there are? What do you are you are you talking? Are they schizophrenic? Are they psychopaths? Are they sociopaths? Do they have bipolar disorder? Do they have drug addiction? What does crazy person mean? What does that mean? Okay, anyway, but I'm I'm going on a tangent here. Um, so they're around her and they come out of nowhere. No crazy people bring them or anything like that. Um, and then. She's running around the forest, just screaming and hollering, and she's so scared. And you would go, well, if this is the first time 
that this happened. I could see how that could be unnerving, but since they can't apparently physically harm you, you know you're not in any danger if you don't look at them. And it wasn't the first time she's been outside with these things because in the beginning of the movie, she had put like string out and had counted steps and pace. So she had been outside in the world beforehand. So I just really didn't get all that. She was actually in the least amount of danger when she was in the forest looking for that blind sanctuary. She was in more danger on the river than she ever was out there in the forest. And that was obvious. And I just really didn't like that at all. Um, and then, like Sterling said, I think that if I continue, I'm going to go on some type of tangent of what I didn't like. And it's not really indicative of how I feel about this movie because I do not think this movie is a bad movie. However, I do not think it is worth all the fanfare either. Um, so I'm going to just close with this last thought about Bird Box is um, they spent five years in this apocalyptic world. The first few hours of the apocalypse, they figured out you couldn't look at the beast or whatever the fuck they are, the entities, the demons, the ghosts, whatever they are. And then in five years, they learned almost nothing else. Nobody even had a fucking walking stick. People who can fucking see have walking sticks when they go through a forest because they understand that the forest has things to trip on. And nobody even had a fucking walking stick. It drove me crazy. And those are the little things. This is why this is not as good as A Quiet Place, because A Quiet Place looked at the details and the minutia. And this movie thought about it. You think that they would have came up with some type of code, some type of sound, um, some type of thing to identify people to do if they ever, you know, went crazy or there was a monster around. And it, 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 they never came up with anything for that. And so it's the minutia. They really drive me crazy. Uh, and um, I had another thought, uh, but I can't quite remember it now. It'll come to me probably as soon as I get done speaking. Uh, but yeah, I just really, uh, I just really didn't like that. And it is by the numbers. If you've ever seen an apocalypse movie, the same shit happens. Well, to, to comment on something you said real quick, Devin, is they did have kind of a code for when these things were around and that was supposed to be the birds chirping. So that was the whole point of the bird box. Yeah, but that was super inconsistent. Yeah, it, it didn't matter at the end when they're like surrounded by like nine of those fucking creatures and the only birds you hear chirping are the ones that are like a mile away at this bird sanctuary. Those three fucking birds in that box weren't chirping for shit when they were surrounded by those motherfuckers. But yeah, it was it, it was an incredibly <laughs> inconsistent way of doing that. Um and the birds weren't chirping when um, the British guy picked them up or when he came into the house. They weren't freaking them. They were a little bit, but they weren't going bonkers. He, they should have been going crazy the entire time he's in the house. Well, well, with that, and this is something I looked into, is that the birds only chirp when one of the monsters is around. That's why they chirp at the grocery store when the guy opens the door, because there was a monster out on the loading dock, too that the the, the okay. loading dock guy was trying to get him to look at. So he okay. put that he put that in the he put them in the the freezer or whatever so that he could potentially let a monster in and not alert anybody. So I understand why they weren't chirping with him. But like I said, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that was incredibly inconsistent still at the end though when the little girl has the birds on her. The little girl is the one with the birds. And yet she was the one most confused by the monsters telling her to take off the blindfold because her birds failed her 
and did not fucking chirp a single little chirp out of their little bird beaks when she's surrounded by fucking monsters. <laughs> Same thing with when she was alone when Sandra Bullock's went into that barracks and like the whole uh, cord got pulled on and she's like running back and she's like, wait, where'd the little girl go? The birds weren't chirping then. Like the little girl's hair was getting messed with by one of these creatures. No bird chirps. Not a single little chippity chirp. Worst like alarm system ever. Justin, what did you not like? <laughs> well, golly, y'all just about um, covered everything in one way or another, but I guess I'll just try to be more specific about some things that really stood out to me. So, um, so at the beginning of Sterling's rant, you kind of targeted me like, well, Justin, you liked the, but the thing is, is that all I said was that this presented some good ideas. But I alluded to the fact that sometimes good ideas are great, but an idea has to live up to its potential, especially when you're talking about a film. And all of the things that you guys just got through talking about, to me, are just examples of why this premise, this idea that I do think is a good idea, just didn't really live up to his potential. And I think that when you look at this film, um, that that's why I spent so much time talking about Sandra Bullock's performance and the acting performances, because they really do elevate what is, uh, they really do elevate this material that really isn't anything different from what you've seen from these post-apocalyptic type of movies like this. And Devin was right when he brought up A Quiet Place because um, because where people are drawing parallels with um, the happening, with how people are killing themselves and kind of this unseen force, this is very much like A Quiet Place with the sensory horror. With the, when The Quiet Place, you know, you couldn't make a sound or you were dead. And this one kind of takes a similar premise, right? You can't look at whatever said demon or specter or thing is, or you will die. So, we, so this isn't anything out of the realm that we've seen before. But if you're going to give me something that I've seen before or have an idea of, well, then the idea that you present has got to be executed well. And I think that's where this movie has its flaws because this monster, as as some as some of the things that uh, Devin and Sterling were saying, there there were just too many inconsistent rules about this monster. It can attack a person that's looking at a monitor. It can read people's minds. It can make its voice sound like someone that is familiar to that person in order to tempt them to take their blindfold off and look. It can manipulate crazy people. And I'm glad that you guys mentioned that, how this, this how undefined this crazy that the that the specter or demon could potentially control. Like there was no real explanation of what type of a crazy person, what type of mental illness, what type of mental ailment a person needed to have in order to be controlled. But the fact that this thing could control people and just have people parade around the city or wherever you are in groups and basically physically attack people and force their eyes open to look at this thing. I, I just never got the sense that the that Sandra Bullock and her family escaped this thing. I mean, even when 
we're at the end of the movie and they're here and they're in this community and there are blind people and things like that. My mind just kept going back to the thought of, well, this thing can just control people. Why couldn't it just send a bunch of people over there? And if it sends a bunch of people over there that can see, then everybody that can see in that little community, well, they're just going to succumb to the spirit once it sends an army of guys over there. And then the blind people, they may not be able to be manipulated by the force, but I don't think they would put up much of a fight against all of these crazed people with the desire to make people look. I, I just I just didn't get the sense that a Bullock and her kids escaped danger because you gave this villain, this demon, so many things that it could do. There was just no way to define it. There was no way to really limit it. There was no way to really express concrete enough rules so that we could understand that this thing has a weakness, that this thing has a, a way that it can be defeated. It just seemed like there was no way out uh, regardless. So I do think that the monster the, the concept was a good one, but the execution of this monster, this force, this demon is really just where this movie slips because it entered, it just, it, 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 this thing has all these characteristics that help drive the story and create these points of tension. But because we're not seeing this specter and because we're not explaining any of these characteristics, we just, are basically told to go along with it. Oh, well, that's just what the specter can do. That's just what the demon can do. So just accept it. And I can't quite accept that. So I definitely see where you guys are coming from with that. That's probably the biggest sin of the film. And then just another thing is just how the story was told, I think, kind of hurt it a little bit. Because when, because in my opinion, showing scenes of, of Sandra Bullock with the kids on a boat by themselves, kind of showing future scenes and then going backwards and showing us in this house. Well, the fact that I don't see anybody with Sandra Bullock, the fact that she was by herself, it almost just kind of tells us that none of these other people that she meets are going to make it out of that situation. So I think in a way, you it kind of already gives away that all of these other characters are going to die, which begs the question of why we spent so much time developing some of those characters. And obviously, the story wanted us to care about them, but you also told us that none of those people would survive. So those would be definitely my two biggest nitpicks with the film. Okay, I just want to say just one thing about these entities, because you spoke so much about them. This is a monster that you can be standing right in front of. You don't you don't have to hide from this monster. Actually, they could have left all the doors open all the time. And as long as they kept their eyes open, everything would have been fine. It could come to your house. It could sit right next to you as you had brunch. And as long as you couldn't see it, you'd be fine. That's not scary. It just isn't scary. If in a quiet place, those things only attacked sound and um they would be right next to someone and know they were there but since they were being quiet they didn't do shit to them it just wouldn't it just wouldn't be as effective i just see a monster you don't have to hide from as com completely completely unintimidating but but the funny thing about that is is that that's not 
really the case because the must because this demon could manipulate people to come after you. It could disguise itself with voices and tempt you and all this stuff and torment you inside your head to try to get you to pull the mask off. So this idea, so it's almost like just because you can't see it, yes, that's the worst case scenario. But the best case scenario is you got a bunch of crazed people chasing you around, telling you to look and every person that you meet, you have to question, well, are is this person somebody that's trying to make me look or is this person somebody I could trust? So even the best case scenario just does, never felt like there was a safe way to counter this thing. And that's or at least that's how I felt by what the film showed me. Well, I, I'm just speaking at face value. I'm just speaking at without the crazies. Oh, I got you. I got whose you. Whose eyes look like they have fucking Mangeko Sharingan. Which I mean, <laughs> like you God, see that fool. nigga's eyes. <laughs> then you have this fucking Bayaka Buyaka gun and shit, and you can't see that nigga's eyes are fucked up. You gotta be kidding me! I don't care how fucking crazy the apocalypse is. You're like, oh, that dude's eyes are pretty weird. Did you get anybody get weird eyes from that guy? Uh, so whatever. But what I'm saying, just at face value, and here's the thing: if they were speaking to you like this then I would say that's kind of scary because you can't differentiate between David's voice. But if I'm doing this, like I'm doing an ASMR video, Justin, it's me, Devin, your best friend. Take off the blindfold so you can see me. You're going to know that that's them. So ASMR is not yes. scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, it's just, that's all they were doing. Hey, hey, it's your, it's your grandma. Do you remember your gam gam? I have some cookies. You know that's fucking them. If they would have even changed the audio to where when Sandra Bullock was yelling and so the monster would start yelling, no, it's not. That's not the truth. Take off the head. That would even be better. But they're doing ASMR. So fuck that. It's just not scary. Well, also on top of that, when Sandra Bullock got separated from the kids in the forest, they started using the guy that none of us remember his name except for Heather. So cue his name, Heather. <laughs> Trevante Rhodes. Exactly. So they used his voice against her. So let's just argue that she didn't know he was for sure dead because she didn't physically see him die, obviously. Let's at least argue she was on the river for two days. He still couldn't have caught up to them. So why would that be an effective way? Why would that be an effective way to get her to take off the blindfold? I mean, she thinks he's dead, regardless. But even if she was like, well, I didn't see him die. Wait a second. I've been going down this river for two days. There's no way with a blindfold he could have caught up to me by himself. Therefore, that's not him. <laughs> so obviously, these monsters don't even use good deceiving voices to get you to take off your blindfold. That just means everybody that takes off their blindfolds when these monsters talk to them are either stupid or a five-year-old child. I'll accept a five-year-old child almost doing that because <laughs> they use Sandra Bullock's voice to, you know, trick them. I'll accept that. That's fine. Sandra Bullock was like, oh, no, what do I do? This guy I think is dead is talking to me. That's going to throw me off for should be no time at all. You know, if I'm sitting there and I'm in a forest and I'm blindfolded and all of a sudden my gr dead grandmother started talking to me, telling me to take off a blindfold, I would not be convinced to do so at all. So I don't understand why that's effective and or actually scary using voices of people that obviously would not be there to convince you to do something. 
It makes no fucking sense outside of these small children. Heather, what did you not like? <laughs> well, just a really quick like tag off of what you were just saying. I I I get what you mean by that, but also like I I feel like there's the element of, you know, you're alone in this world and the people that you've attached to or the people that you remember, the people that you miss all of those elements are going to be a little bit more magnified because you're already scared and you're already feeling alone and you don't know what's going to happen. So even if she knew that he was dead and it wasn't really uh, Tom, the character, um, you know, it's just that sense of like, I just so badly wish that it was him that you want to convince yourself it was, you know what I mean? So I could kind of see if they were trying to play off of like the emotional side of like what's going to be the one thing that actually would make her question if this is real and, you know, want to take off the blindfold, you know? So it's, I kind of see a little bit of what they were trying to do with it, but I think you are right because of how they executed that. It didn't go as well as they wanted it to, if that makes sense. But well, no, no, I, I, I do agree with that, but let's use an example for me. I'm, I'm up in the Chicagoland area. And let's just say it's one of my little brother's voices. My little brothers live back in Texas. And, you know, if I was like alone in the world and, you know, having to think about them being dead, that'd be, that's a very sad thing. I, that, you know, I wouldn't like that. But, you know, even if I held out the hope that, you know, they lived through this apocalypse and all of a sudden my little brother's telling me to take off my blindfold, I'd be like, wait a second, you were in Texas. How the fuck did you get here? It still doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Something is going on. Anyway, sorry. No, I get that. <laughs> but, um, and I also do want to just a little bit backtrack about what all of you were saying about Sandra Bullock in this movie, because I didn't get to go on that train yet. But I'm, I've always been a big fan of Sandra Bullock. I've always really liked her. And um, Jason, I think you're right. This is a really good film to show just a little bit more of her range of what she can do. And, um, you know, she was definitely typecast and she was all of those things. And she was good in everything that she did. The thing for me that turned it was when I saw her in Crash. Her role in Crash, even though it was small, it was the first time I saw her in a role where I was like, she can be evil. She can be a terrible person. And she's amazing yeah, at it. Yeah. And so that's the time for me when I was like, that's a good point. She's legit. Like she is really good because she was awful. She was an awful person in that movie, but she did it so well because I hated her. And that's how you know she did a good job. Because how do you hate Sandra Bullock? Or at least for me, you know? So I'm like, she is solid, you know? She's talented. So for me, that was kind of the turning point of like, yeah, she's she's got actual talent where she can do real stuff, you know? I mean, she did a couple of things before that, like A Time to Kill. She was really good in that, you know? And that was back in like the 90s. So, I mean, she's had things here and there, but because she is always typecast as that romantic comedy lead or whatever. You don't see that as much until more recently. So I actually like this transition that she's making of, you know, doing a little bit more serious or more substantial roles in a sense, complex roles, I think is what Jason said. So I'm a fan. And also she just never ages. She's like 54 years old and she looks the same. So that's kind of impressive, but, <laughs> um, but yes, to go to the things that I was not a fan of. Um, so, you know, I heard, I heard a lot of things about this movie, uh, before I watched it, like a lot of mixed reviews, honestly, but I decided, you know, I want to watch the trailer, see what this whole thing is about. Cause there was no explanation of what it was other than just, Oh, this movie's crazy or this movie's great or this movie's terrible or whatever. 
So I watched the trailer and it made me interested enough to check it out. And it had all the elements that I like in a movie, you know, suspense, good actors, uh, what seems like it could be an interesting twist, you know, um, you know, so there were just all of those elements of things that intrigued me about the story. But my problem is, after watching it, I really just kind of left it thinking, this movie's only okay. And that happens a lot with when you have like a jam-packed group of, you know, talent in a movie. It tends to not be a good movie for whatever reason. And I'm not sure why that happens. But um, <laughs> it's it's just not exceptional in any way. You know, the story was, it was captivating enough, but it just wasn't exceptional in any sort of way. Like you guys were saying, there's nothing really new about it that you, you haven't seen done in a better way. Um, yeah. So like when I'm looking back at it, um, I think one of my biggest things too that I'm, I'm thinking more about is it honestly just didn't really seem to have like a moral or a specific point to it. It was, you know, and, and maybe that's, you know, it's not always needed. Like other thrillers or horror movies, um, you know, where it's primarily just about seeing how they will survive. You know, prime example, A Quiet Place. You know, it was just more about what are they going to do in this situation? How are they going to get out of this? And sometimes it works. But I guess this movie just didn't have enough of the other elements or tricks or just they just didn't do one particular thing well enough for that fact to be overlooked. If that makes sense, it was just a little bit more obvious in this movie that there wasn't like a specific moral or point to it. <laughs> so I think that would probably be my biggest like, eh, that's probably why I'm just like, oh, it's only okay. If I, if I connected with it in some kind of way about a lesson to learn or whatever it was, I would feel a little bit more than just, oh, it was only okay. So, um, and going back to the, the entities or the monsters or whatever they are, I'm actually fine that they didn't really show the monsters for the most part um, or give a lot of detail about them. You know, because overall, I think the story works without that because it adds that element of suspense because you're wondering, what are they seeing? What is making them, you know, kill themselves and do these crazy things? But to also not explain, you know, about the quote unquote crazy people, <laughs> you know, and why they weren't affected by it really. It, it was just too much unexplained for the um, villainous, you know, people and things. So I feel like they should have explained better one or the other of those elements um, in order to drive home that sense of impending doom that they were trying to create about this whole movie. So, um, yeah, those I think that, I mean, aside from the things that you guys pointed out of more specific details that weren't. You know, it just didn't land what they were trying to do with it. So I would say th these would be my biggest things that made me be like, it's it's only OK. You know, I I want to bring something up to you guys because you, you guys brought it up and you all agreed on it and all this other stuff with the whole Sandra Bullock and crash thing. I get that. That was a big turn for her. But I argue the movie that displays her or displayed her acting range more before that was demolition man and i say that because that movie was the first movie i didn't hate her in so i'm like <laughs> oh she's got range i don't hate her i can see that but i think i think something that resonate because you know because that's a sci-fi film and you know the stigma i think when you when you think of like you know alert signal metal gear moments for an actor you know i do believe that it, it had to be crashed but that is another one she's always shown glimpses of her talent throughout her career but you know 
I remember me growing up, if it was like Sandra Bullock, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> Mm-mm. No, sir. Return to Cinder. <laughs> that was probably another one of her movies, by the way. <laughs> but no, that like, does, I that think... sounds like a Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> Sandra Bullock in Return to Cinder. <laughs> It does. It does. <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Ray Romano. Uh, <laughs> are, are, one is a mailman, the other one is a divorcee. <laughs> Will Ray Romano be able to woo Sandra Bullock? Listen, I'm not going to pretend I'm, like I wouldn't watch that on a girl's night. <laughs> See, that would that would only work in the 90s as far as rom-com goes. Because you have to have that movie guy doing that trailer. Yes. Otherwise, it falls apart. Couldn't be done now. But back in the 90s, if you had that stereotypical 90s rom-com trailer that Devin was doing, that movie would have been green light, like greenlit in like 2.7 <laughs> sure. seconds. Yes, for sure. That is why the 90s are amazing. Wild West at filmmaking, you would see fucking anything, anything, anything in the theater. Anything could be made into a film. It didn't fucking matter. We, 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 we've done an episode and we've touched on this. It's very well known. I'm not big on nostalgia, but man, I am nostalgic for a fucking 90s rom-com commercials or trailers. <laughs> Those were the fucking best. <laughs> I can see that. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I, I totally. have a legitimate question. I got a legitimate question about Bird Box. Okay, yes, because I, I do have something I want to bring up with Bird Box, though, that might explain some of the inconsistencies we did say, see in the film. But Devin, what, 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 what's your what's your thing first? What is one way, just one, you would have made Bird Box better? I'll start with that. Um, clearly define the creatures as ethereal and having no physical form. And that's why, A, they need people. And B, you would have no way of knowing they're around. Like, you wouldn't see their shadow. They wouldn't be setting off car sensors or anything like that. And, like, really explain why they don't physically pose a threat to you. And it would also make it to where it's completely understandable why you never see them. Like, they're just an ethereal being that, you know, we're not seeing because they don't have a physical form. But if you, you know, if you're in that realm and you look at them, you, you know, you get filled with whatever they do to you and make you kill yourself. Like if they just clearly defined non-corporeal ethereal being, I think that would have saved a ton of fucking problems as far as the inconsistencies go with these creatures. And it also, you can use that to slightly kind of explain their telepathic abilities with people because they're ethereal. So maybe they are a creature that like operates or lives in a, frequency that our brain processes but eyes can't see type of situation and that allows them to tap into our like little human minds or something like if you just clearly define them as non-physical formed that would have relieved a lot of my what the fuck is going on in this with this movie for me i would say um explaining the whole quote-unquote crazy people thing like what is it you know about these so-called crazy people that they weren't affected by it what's the thing in them that makes them okay to be able to see these this entity or whatever it is explaining that a little bit better because it kind of can leave a bad taste in your mouth if you don't like know what they're trying to go for with that so that for me would be a little bit that would make it better i think for me i just think that Really, you guys touched on it. I just think that the monster, the demon, the specter, the spirit, 
itself, I, I, I really just feel that that's the biggest problem, either giving it more limitations or, or, or just kind of making it a little more understandable how it uses people. I don't know. I think it may have even been cooler if like the, the, if like, let's just say like this whole manipulating crazy people idea, I, I just think if there was a way to understand how it was doing that or what the, 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 the means to the end was, even if I, even to just know why it wanted everybody to kill itself, what, what, what was that about? Like what, how would that ensure that this spirit thing would survive? How, why did it need to do this? Like what, what was the need for it to do this? Uh, I, I just, I just needed to know more about why this was happening. And, and I just didn't. And I mean, it could have been as simple as that. Um, the, and I forget the actor's name, but he was the grocery store worker who had all of the spiritual facts. That that is Lil Rel is, is his name is Little Rel. I, okay, okay. I mean, even if in that moment, because that is pretty much the explanation that we get for what this thing possibly is. Even if there could have been something in there, some explanation for why this thing needs to do this, or what's driving this thing to have to get people to do this. I, it just, I think it just would have helped me understand the desperate need to do this to everyone or why it's manipulating certain people into doing this or controlling certain people. Um, it, it would have just helped to know what the goal of this thing was other than just making people kill themselves. What, 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 what did that sustain? And, and that's why, you know, you guys hit on it earlier. This is why, Movies like A Quiet Place are done better. We understood what the monster was trying to do. We understood that the monster was eating people to survive. And we understood that the monster had its limitations. And that's why it could, it, it attacked people the way it did. That's why I needed to listen. That's why I needed to hear you. That's why. Uh, it, and unknowing those things, we didn't know everything about the monsters. But just knowing those few things helped us understand how these people were going to try to survive or how it could possibly be beat or anything like that. But in this film, you don't have any of that. They don't explain any of that. So just not having any of that, it's, it's just really hard to invest emotionally when the film just doesn't provide any answers for anything involving that. Uh, villain specter spirit thing mm -hmm. and for me it would be um i would just switch up the external um forces so i would get rid of the crazy people i would make john malkovich's character start off the way he was every man for himself but him just going like you know what we got to do we got to cut out our eyes that's what we have to do we have to cut our eyes and everybody <laughs> freaking out being like do you know you're not going to cut out anybody's eyes He's like listen if we see the things that kill if we can't see we go blind we'll be fine everybody like fuck no we're not going to do that john and then they lock him in the room and just having external forces like them running out of food and power keeping them on the move you know having to go out to get firewood so mm -hmm. they don't freeze to death 
those type of things I think would have been better. And I really think the climax of the film would have been amazing if they would have had to decide between keeping their sight and surviving. And if this movie was about survival, if that was the whole thing, being willing to do anything to survive, even gouge your own eyes out, you know, if the eye deceive thee, pluck it. Pluck it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, if it would have been around that premise, but I just felt like there was no real endgame, like Justin said. And so that is what I think would have made this movie better if they just would have got rid of the crazies. I fucking hate that so much. And just went with something more like that because disease, you know, famine, power, heat, those things are always going to be a big factor when it comes to survival. And I think even some of the most basic um, apocalypse movies like this understand that and that didn't. And they just had to come up with some trope to uh, make the story progress because without the crazy people, they, they're fine pretty much. I'm not going to lie, Devin. I thought you were going to say you would change them killing off Sarah Paulson. <laughs> Listen, you know, it's just kind of like if I said that, that would let them off the hook. And I will never forgive them for killing <laughs> Sarah Paulson. They could have had the girl from Dumplin' be Sandra Bullock's sister and had Sarah Paulus be Historia, whatever her name was. And it would have been just as good. Olympia. 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 Not, not Historia. <laughs> okay, I like a Granted, I will Titan. say, yeah, I will say though that, um, oh, I think her name is um, something McDonald. Um, oh, what is her name? Uh, she did a good job, the one from Dumplin. Uh, Danielle, Danielle McDonald. Danielle McDonald. Yeah. She, yeah, I she actually think she did a great job. Yeah, but you're right. It's Sarah Paulson. Like, you can't just not have her in the movie more. So, <laughs> all right. I know, I know I already took my turn at this, but I think I figured out a way that's even better than that to fix it. And I thought of it as soon as Heather started talking. So instead of it being crazy people that, you know, came under their influence or something like that, what if it was blind people? Like if blind people, quote unquote, looked in their direction, all of a sudden they gained the ability to see and they could see this creature in its true form and they that was their motivation to get other people to look at it well as in if you were a normal person of sight you would then kill you know you would kill yourself from it like think about how awesome that would have been at the end of the movie mm, yeah where like they show up at that place and they're like fuck yeah we're at this place it's safe not knowing it was a school for the blind mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you see it's a school for the blind and you're like oh fuck no they're surrounded by death that's actually good, too, because, you know, they were all like, you have to look at it. It's so beautiful. Like, that's what, you know, if if you couldn't see forever and then you could suddenly see, that's what you're going to say. You're going to be like, everybody should look and see this because it's beautiful. We can see. So that actually wouldn't be bad. And you would also get rid of, like I said, the horrible trope of using, quote unquote, you know, crazy people as a villain. Like you would actually be, you know, kind of flipping it, you know, the like on its head, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be you'd be changing it like and then on top of that, like like Heather said, these people would have more motivation because they're seeing for the first time. And then, like I said, they can then see this creature. So, you know, that's their motivation for getting other people to try to look at it. They're not seeing it as other people will kill themselves if they look at it. They're just seeing it as this thing gave me my sight. Like this is like essentially like it's an angel. Like to them, it's an angel instead of a demon. 
Yeah, like, like this a is, savior. Yeah, that's what yes, I was thinking. Yes, this is this yeah. holy good force. Yeah, and and that kind of corrupts their minds. I like that. That would be pretty cool. That was so they never really would so factor in the people killing the. It's themselves. the whole. Yeah, it's the whole like you know one man's villain is another man's hero type of situation. They see this as a savior. Whereas everyone else sees it as death type of situation. I just think that'd be a cool little twist. And like I said, it has that whole like inherent thing at the end. Like I said, all of a sudden you like, you know, you find out it's a school for the blind and that's where they're all held up. Not, oh, you know, this is a sanctuary. It's like a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing type of thing. They roll up there and they're like, fuck yeah, we're fine. Not realizing that they're in essentially a time bomb of all these people that were blind can essentially turn on them if one of those creatures happens to get in type of situation. And that would also provide that dilemma for Sandra Bullock too. Like even say she knew it was a school for the blind or something like that. And there were blind people there, you know, having ran into these people throughout the movie, she would know that they were blind at one point. Now they could see. So she would then have to risk the whole, like safe, like that weigh the risks of the whole safety thing. Like, well, they're fine now because they're still blind. And this is like our best shot at staying, you know, protected and staying indoors and staying away from these things is in this collective. But at the same time, if one of these creatures gets in here, there's an army at its disposal. And I have one more negative thing that I, and I, I'm going to let it go. But with the movie being called Bird Box, it would have been really great if that bird box actually led them to the sanctuary. If like those things were echoing and and trying to manipulate and mimicking voices. And they just was, she was just like, just listen to the birds, baby. Just, and then, you know, it just zoomed in on that bird sound from that box and those birds going crazy. And them just, she's just like, just listen to anything. If it just would have become a quintessential item of survival, it, it would have made it better for me. All right. So what I was going to say earlier, uh, as a, a thing that has to do with the making of this movie and why, you know, some of these inconsistencies, I believe, exist. So they do actually have a design for these creatures. And by that, I mean, they made prosthetics. There was an actor cast who was wearing said prosthetics. There was a physical form of this monster that was supposed to be in this movie. Now, I've heard some rumors that one reason why it's not in this movie is because I have seen this, too, and I... Uh, We'll, we'll maybe put it up later or something like that. Uh, we don't necessarily want to spoil things for people, but, you know, we might put it out there that it looks fucking ridiculous. And apparently the rumor has it that every time Sandra Bullock saw one of those come to set, she just started laughing. And that's one reason why hmm. they didn't end up using it. That makes oh sense. That's just okay. straight up predator syndrome. You know, the predator just wasn't scary the first time they made the the, the alien or whatever, you know, so... When he was essentially the red praying mantis yeah, guy. When he was yeah. Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that's one reason why they didn't use it. And I think also, like I said, that's one reason why there's a ton of inconsistencies in everything. Is the script and everything like that is written for there to physically be a monster in the movie. They shot most of that movie with the understanding of there will be at some point a physical monster in this movie. And after filming X amount of it or whatever, they changed their minds. I think that is one reason why there is that inconsistency when it comes to what the monster can and can't do and the physicality mm. of it, you know, why it casts a shadow yet, you know, doesn't pose a physical threat to anybody in the end. And I, I, I think that that is why is because th the goal all along was there to be a physical monster and they ended up cutting that idea whilst filming it. Execution. Hmm. Once Interesting. again, it is still go back. Interesting. Execution. 
All right. So now we'll give uh, our, our scores and recommendations. Uh, we'll start with Heather. What's your score and would you recommend it? I mean, would I recommend it? I I would say it's worth giving it one watch. Would I watch it again over and over? Probably not. I would be interested to see other people's reaction when they first watch it. So I would watch it with other people again. <laughs> so I think it's worth watching at least once just because you do hear all the buzz about it and you do. There are enough elements about it to make it something to not say I would completely miss this movie. Um, that being said, my score, let's give it, um, I'm going to go with seven human speed bumps out of 10. I'll give it like a 70. So that would be my score for it. Justin, what about you? Okay. So for me, um, uh, so we, we discussed what we liked and disliked. And this film definitely has a lot of flaws. So I can't go with a score that's like a high score, a higher score, or upper score, anything like that. Um, but there are still a lot of things that I liked about this movie. I do think that the actor and actress performances do elevate this film from um, a lot of the other movies like this that are that are probably also available on Netflix. So there is that. I do think that it does have a neat premise. There are some very genuinely tension-filled moments. It builds tension well. Um, Sterling talked about how the tone was consistent in this film. So there are a lot of good things about this movie, despite its um, flaws. Definitely more positive than negative. Uh, I'm going to kind of repeat what Heather also said, too. Would I watch this again? Probably not. You know, if I had company or something and they really hadn't seen this or really wanted to watch it because they wanted to know what the fuss was about i'd probably be i'd be able to sit through it with someone and watch it you know if they're watching it for the first time but i don't know if i myself would be revisiting this anytime soon so once was enough for me so i'm going to go with a solid we'll give it i think that's fair we'll go 63 um birds not chirping <laughs> when they should be for girl out of 100 which is still <laughs> a passing score which is still a passing score i think that that's fair for this film devin your turn well once again this is a flawed movie but really when it comes right down to it not a deeply flawed, flawed film just like Justin said uh, I do believe there were great moments of t- tension. I think the acting elevated the story uh, and, the, and the writing and the plot well beyond where it needs to go. So I am going to give this movie six and a half Sarah Paulson funerals. So about a 65%. Would I recommend this film? Will I watch this film ever again? No. If people at my house want to watch it, I'll just watch reruns of Kitchen Nightmares on my iPhone or something. Um, but they can watch it if they want to. I don't give a fuck. Um, and I would recommend it because I do believe that I want to support more original films like this coming out from other services. And I believe that this is a path to progress. Yeah. And I'm always going to support progress. So, yeah, that's my rating. Well, for me to recommend this movie... I'm going to recommend it, but under very, very strict conditions. And that's pretty much if you've never seen it, if you've literally watched every single other thing that Netflix has ever put out, if you've watched every single thing that Hulu has ever put out, if you've watched every single thing on Amazon Prime, 
and you have literally visited every single channel in your cable package 97 times <laughs> and still don't want to watch anything, then sure, fuck it. Watch Bird Box. Who cares? <laughs> um, other than that, my score for this will be 59. Why the fuck is Machine Gun Kelly in this stupid fucking movie out of 100? <laughs> Just the slightest hair under a passing score. The acting's very good. The tone's very good. It's just like I said, this movie's wildly inconsistent and every good thing it did do, I've seen done somewhere else better. So I just, I can't forgive it for that. Anything else, guys, before we finish this off? Well, I don't know. I was going to ask this or just kind of propose this to everybody. And if you think we've touched on it enough, then cool. But I was just going to ask, why do you guys think this was so popular. Why this movie? So we we gave it our scores. And for us, if you add it all up, it's barely a passing score. It's a passing score, but it's barely a passing score. We talked about other films that came out this year that were better. So why this movie? Why do you think this is so popular? Why did it why is it breaking Netflix records and all and all these memes coming out? There's a meme a, mo- a minute coming out in regards to this film why what do you think is the answer for why this is so popular i do have a thought on that i think i think it's because unlike going to the movies or uh you know having to actually do something like where you have to go out or you have to buy it or go out and go to a theater and spend that money a lot of people have netflix and this movie really is a diet version of a quiet place this is Quiet Place Light. A lot of people like to Quiet dying place. place. Quiet Place had a lot of good. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, it and a lot of people like that movie. It had a lot of good buzz going for it for a long time. I mean, people are still talking about it. The movie came out damn near a year ago, and people are still talking about it. And this movie was, like I said, it's a, it's a light version of that. It, it 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 wants to be that. It just never gets there. And it's something. It's it's readily available for people to do or to watch without breaking up their normal routine. I mean, how many people sit around and watch Netflix at night? I mean, it's it's that is such a commonplace. I yeah. mean, in our lexicon now, uh, a way of just saying like, hey, let's hook up and fuck is Netflix and chill. Like Netflix is just synonymous with it's just something to do. And everyone has it. Everyone has access to it. So it's it's just there. They don't have to do anything different. You know, if it's Saturday night and they're already, you know, going to sit down and watch something on Netflix and it's there. It's got Sandra Bullock. It's a it's a light version of 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 a quiet place, something that's supposed, you know, supposedly very good. So it's just sitting right there. It's so easy to do. You don't have to break up any of your normal routine to watch this. And I think, you know, those factors make it such like made it like skyrocket. And I think one reason why it's so meme heavy and everything like that is because it's it's like I said, everyone ended up watching it. So you, somebody makes a meme on it, you know, probably eight out of 10 of your friends are going to know what you're talking about with that joke because they all watched it too. So it's just a very quick way. Like it's, it's got such recognition because so many people watched it because it was so easy to watch that it was so easy to just do shit with. And I think that's one reason why it did explode like that. Do you also think maybe too, it was the timing of the release like the fact that it came out right in the midst of Christmas and New Year's, people are off, people are readily available because other cool things have come out. 
But this one just sort of, I mean, do you think maybe the timing of its release also had something to do with it? I wouldn't doubt it. I could see that being the case for sure. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes a big thing that families want to do is, oh, let's watch a movie together. Let's go see a movie or whatever. And if you have Netflix or, you know, any of these accounts, it's like, oh, well, we can just watch something here that that we haven't seen. You know, so I think it was probably smart on their part to make it a movie that came out at that time, because I think that I, I obviously think that that would have a factor, you know, if you're it's it's like coming out at the beginning of the school year or something like that or you know when you know teachers might be going back to work and there's not as many people at home you know to be watching it um so much like i just i feel like the timing has to have something to do with it you know um and that's why people even in movie theaters they want to release movies around the holidays or on a long weekend or whatever because they know like that's going to that's going to be a big weekend you know so I think it has to kind of necessarily be a factor, if that makes sense. And I mean, I I agree with it, too. I think Sterling is right about it's easily accessible, you know. And I think also because it was, I feel like it sort of started to become like a word of mouth or word of social media mouth or something. And people just wanted to be a part of that conversation. So they, everyone's like, okay, well, let me get in on this. What's this about? You know, kind of like the same thing that happened with um quiet place they're like okay what's all this about so people went to go see it they're like this is an interesting concept people keep talking about it i need to go see it so i think it was part of the um the hype helped people to want to see it so yeah i'm gonna keep mine simple as fuck just for you guys so one it was faux free two big stars associated with this film three the timing Mm -hmm. four netflix are viral marketing geniuses They've learned lessons from the past and they continue to learn. And once again, accessibility is a motherfucker. That's it. The one thing, the one thing I'll say in disagreement with Heather and Devin is I don't actually think that the timing uh, had as much to do with this as it would another movie. Um, Christmas is a big deal for movies and theaters because um, a lot of people go to the movies on Christmas because they actually want a way to get away from their family. Even if their entire family is going to the movies, you know, the you're unspoken rule of thumb is you don't, yeah, you're not interacting when you're at the movie theater. Whereas with this movie, if you try to do that, you know, you're going to have your uncle Clyde or whatever sitting in the corner, like, you know, chowing down on some ham being loud as fuck. And, you know, you're going to have some kids running around and, you know, you don't have the same social connections and social rules uh, when you watch a movie at your house versus uh, the movie theater. Um I think, like I said, with this, it's it was just so easy because you didn't have to disrupt your routine. Even with the craziness of the holidays, you know, it's nine o'clock at night. You and your significant other are in bed. And you're like, hey, let's check out Bird Box. You know, if it's boring, we'll just fuck around or something. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they watch it. Um, you know, like I said, it's, you know, most people watch Netflix when they're going to bed or watch Netflix at night. Like, that's just what they do. You know, a lot of people don't even have a cable subscription anymore because their plans are just to watch something on Netflix at night. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it's nine o'clock at night. You're already going to, you know, watch Netflix and you've heard about this movie or all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, Sandra Bullock's in a movie, on, you know, on Netflix. Let's watch it. You don't have to change anything. You were already going to watch Netflix. All you have to do is hit your curse, you know, hit the cursor into a different direction than you were originally planning that night. Uh, and that's my little part on the whole timing thing. Okay. Fair enough. Awesome. Okay. I just thought that, you know, we should put something like that in there. Just kind of talk about the 
since it was such a phenomenon, so to speak, just thought it was worth our time to kind of put our two cents in on that. Thanks, guys. I think all that was good stuff. I totally agree. Nothing more to add than what you guys did. All it makes me want to do is go watch Crash. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, Crush is a very good movie. I, I I do support that. And oh, what's the movie that she did where she was in space? Gravity? Yes, Gravity. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. That's also a fantastic yeah, Sandra Bullock movie. If you haven't seen Gravity, you need to see it. That's a, debatably one of her best movies, if not her best movie, as far as her acting is concerned. That was really great. So, yeah. I mean, if we're if we're recommending Sandra Bullock movies, I'll, you know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, Demolition Man. I think that's great. Or or Speed. Speed's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather mentioned A Time to Kill earlier. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want like a good example of her at peak rom-com-ness, that is actually a f- super good movie, uh, Miss Congeniality. I, I think that's a great movie. <laughs> I agree with and, that. Uh, I, I think liked that's, it. That's a peak. I think that's a good if you want to if you want like to to take all her rom comedness and condense it into one good version of that. I think Miss Congeniality is that film. Yeah, I would agree with that. Come on, Devin, you can't be the only one not recommending a Sandra Bullock film at this point. Um, <laughs> I think you should watch uh, what is that movie? The Time Letter, Keanu Reeves. That was she in that. The yeah, lake house? That's it. Yeah, the lake house. The lake house? <laughs> the time letter? <laughs> pretty much. Watch, watch, same, watch pretty that, much. Just, just recommend Return watch, to Cinder. It's watch, fine. Watch that bullshit so you can understand where she came from. <laughs> Man, I don't care what anyone says. I might be the only person in the world to ever say this. I think lake house is sneaky good. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't remember a lot of it, so I'll have to go back and I watch it. I feel like we're tangenting right now. Now. You're tangenting. Yes. Well, we're closing it out. I'm just saying it might make zero sense as far as time travel goes or anything like that, but I feel like it has heart. <laughs> the time letter. And that's what matters that's in a great. movie like that. <laughs> we should do a thing on alternate movie titles sometime. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. But it can't be that movie because Lake House is sneaky good. Other than that, guys, thank you for listening. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Twitter, cinema cinema underscore slayers. That's really hard to say really fast. Check us out on Instagram at Cinema Slayers, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any platform you want to listen to. We're on it. And if we're not, let me know and I'll make sure we do get on it. We really appreciate you guys. We've got a lot of awesome things coming your way. We've got a survey out right now. Check it out. It's on our Facebook. Go to the link. Takes about a minute. That's the average time people are spending on it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we can do better because that's all we want to do is get better for you guys. Thank you for listening.